What's good, everybody? As the old saying goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And frankly, those have to be the most important words or the most important quote in regards to business, in regards to careers, education, doesn't really matter. It comes down to it. Who you know will always, always, always play a huge role in how far you get in any field. Now we'll get into the elements to build and sustain a successful network to help you in all aspects of your career, entrepreneurial ventures, small business. It doesn't matter how to build it, how to sustain it, how to develop the relationships with the right people. Going to take elements that have worked for dozens of extremely successful entrepreneurs, extremely successful business owners, extremely successful, even politicians. It's not who you know, it's what you know. How to build a powerful network today in the episode of The Ambition Show. Let's get it. So everybody, it's, it's what it's come down to is over the years, I've experienced it where I've heard so many people talk about Oh, you got to build a network or you have to have a powerful network. Your network is your net worth, all these types of things. And unfortunately, in my experience and from what I've seen, um, others go through in webinars, seminars, YouTube channels, you know, all types of books. Heck, even just in general workshops, right? Working with mentors. A lot of time people talk about the and they play a lot of emphasis. And they talk about how important the network is and how important it is who you know. But they don't necessarily tell you the three main components, which is how to start one, right? How to start developing that network. They don't really get into the nuts and bolts of that. How to sustain it, how to develop it, and also more importantly, how to nourish, right? How to properly really help that network grow. Grow not necessarily by the in, in the quantity, as in the quality, the depth of the relationship that you'll have, right? And finally, the last area is, and, and it's, in a way, it's not even the most important. That's why I put it third, even though it kind of comes first. The part that gets missed the most is that the network can start at any time. Go, once again, coming from experience, I've had people say, oh, well, in high school, that's where you'll, you'll really develop that network. Those relationships that you have there will take you through the rest of your life. And they can, don't get me wrong, they can. Grade school, high school, college, grad school. But that doesn't necessarily mean those are the only places and that's why I put it at third. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the most important aspect. See, it can start anywhere. That first job out of college can be where you start your most important network or it can be where you start the network in general, right? Maybe you, maybe you just weren't, you know, you didn't build the, develop those relationships in college. It happens to a lot of people in high school. It happens to a whole lot of people in high school, right? You know, I've brought this up before how important it is as the term goes to find your tribe connect with connect with people who have your similar interests as soon as possible in life but that doesn't necessarily always happen right because sometimes we have to get out of our home state we have to get out of our we have to get out of our country you know not a county not a city not a town we have to get entirely out of our country to really find the group of people that we really connect with that's the beauty of the internet that's the beauty of you know doing things in a digital world but i'm not trying to get too far ahead of, of ourselves let's get into these components to understand how to develop that network what it means to develop that network, right? 
and where that can kick off. But nothing, nothing will ever replace the fact that that that's the reason why this episode is extremely important to any of us who have goals. If you have a if you have an ambitious, you know, if you have a specific entrepreneurial goal, that network can make and break it. But you don't have to be an entrepreneur 17, 19, 21, you know, 35. You can be an entrepreneur anytime in your life. Right. In fact, there's a really great graphic for this episode um, that, that illustrates some of the most successful, successful in, in all fields. We're talking everywhere from fashion, energy, um, you know, franchising, all types of fields, different age groups. Right. But one thing it keeps going back on is the people that they had to the people that they connected with to help them start their entrepreneurial journey, whether they were in their teens, their 20s, their 30s, or 40s, or 50s, even their 60s. So I'm going to share that graphic. It's on uh, it's going to be in, in this episode on YouTube, but it's also going to be on our website. It's just a really important you know, illustration to understand it. that entrepreneurial journey can start at any time. But as long as you have that network developed, it, it, it really helps you get on that journey. It helps you right off the bat start off very strong strong in the right direction all right so this is why you see things like fraternities the importance of fraternities sororities social clubs right the importance of building really strong connections and relationships whether it be in high school or college one of the things that that illustrates why networks are so important and it's actually one of the driving forces if you if you really um take a take a hard look at it the driving force of the importance of going to college. It has very, and, and, and to be honest with you, it's interesting how it's transitioned, but it all, go, it all goes back to the marketability of things and the business, and unfortunately the business of education, let's just be real, it is a business, that originally the, the one of the main focuses is if you wanna get, one, if you wanna obtain a um, certain lifestyle, a certain living, a certain social status, right? You have to be part of one of the professions. And if you look it up, even to this day, there are only certain fields and certain career fields that are considered from a white collar standpoint, white collar professions, but a profession in general. And that's typically in the medical field, the legal field, accountancy, architecture, engineer, right? It has to be in one of those fields. Those are typically what are considered the professions. You don't have to, you don't have to completely believe me right off the bat. There's a link right there showing you, you know, illustrating what are considered the true professions of the world. Okay, everything else is considered what we might want to say is blue collar or tr- or in the trade area, right? Construction, you know, plumbing, HVAC. Um, you know, these are considered more in the trade field, but the the spe- the actual professions are typically considered the medical, the legal, the accountancy architecture and engineering so with that being said the emphasis was to go to college right go to college and not only obtain the education but now you're going to connect with other people in that profession right we all know this and this happens a lot attorneys know accountants accountants know attorneys people in real estate they know accountants they know attorneys they know you know, to people to prepare your taxes, they, you know, bankers. Because it's the idea is that for me to be successful in this field, I know there's other aspects that I don't have to be a professional, a specialist in. 
So I will build out my network because then we can share referrals. We can share recommendations. We can share connections. A lot of times what gets missed on entrepreneurs is that one of the first things you need to be doing is here's my specific area. Let I'll give you, I'll use my example. I use myself as an example. My specific area, I'm a you know, digital marketing, web development, right? Once again, I started off with, specifically I started off with, very specifically, I started off with just web design and that's strictly what it was. I wasn't necessarily, even though I did the copy on my website, I wasn't necessarily focused on SEO. So I knew people who were SEO specialists. I didn't focus on online advertising. I didn't focus on it in the words that I wasn't you know, providing that as a regular service. That was just something I was aware of. I knew I had to do. I knew I had to make sure I had the right integrations, pixels, things like that. But I didn't say, okay, well, I'm going to build out your Facebook advertisement, even though Facebook advertisement wasn't around when I first started. Right. I didn't I wasn't building out, you know, Google ads and Yahoo ads for my clients, but I was making sure that their websites would be available for AdSense, for example. Right. It could be approved to where they could run ads on their website or or it was designed to where they would get a significant enough traffic. They could compete for keywords. OK, and I knew about keywords research. I knew about SEO, but I didn't provide that. So, you know what I did? I connected with SEO specialists. I connected with digital advertisers who knew nothing about web design <laughs> seriously i knew quite a few people who knew nothing they were like i don't know you know necessarily focusing on navigation ux ui but i do understand i do understand the importance of site speed load times i do understand the importance of proper navigation on the site to make it easier for where people will convert easier to whatever our call to action is, right? I worked with people who were specialists in the area. That's how you, that's the importance of the network piece. Because then not only we're sharing business, but we're also learning from one another, right? And this is the market. This was initially a major factor in the marketability of schools, such as you go to the Ivy League, or I'm sorry, you go to the Ivy League schools specifically. Don't get me wrong. And we all know this. You can look at any ranking of schools. Harvard, Princeton, you know, Yale, they're always going to be in the top 25. I said the top 25, not necessarily always the top three, top four, top five, top 25. Because depending upon the special, uh, the specialty, depending upon the profession, they might not be the number one school. It's the connection. It's that status symbol. Okay. Because the people who go to Harvard work with people who go to Harvard, right? The people who go to Yale work with people who go to Yale. People, it's an understanding to work within that network. Doesn't mean they're not gonna work outside of that, but it does make us that, it does, it, it does have a certain level of, well, I came from this school, so I'm gonna make sure I do my best to give back to this school and give back to the people who come from the school because we've shared a specific experience a unique experience that no one else has in the world we went to this specific school that's why even though those are the ivy league schools and that's one of the main market marketing factors of those schools it's not unique to those schools every school has that go to university of michigan hey i know other wolverines right you go to illinois or university of illinois illini it's an experience that we, we, we can 
We could talk about the sports. We could talk about our, our teams. We could talk about our mascots. We could talk about our campuses, right? And this is why early on, there is such an emphasis, hey, it's all about the right high school, it's all about the right college, but it doesn't have to end there. And it doesn't even have to start there. Just because you go to a city college, just because you go to you know, a two-year program, just because you don't go to college at all, doesn't mean you are not have an opportunity to build out a network. This is why it's so important and I've brought this up in episodes in the past. This will never change. It's very important to find out your why. So the very first thing you want to do is establish for yourself, no one else, for yourself. What are my interests? What are the things that I genuinely enjoy? And if you can't connect that to a profession, you are already leaps and bounds beyond most people. My personal enjoyment, because now you have a genuine interest in something that you can find other connections in which makes it a lot easier hey i can't tell you how many people i know who've gone to a college just because they want the connections just because they want the network just because they want the relationships but they hate the school they hate the program they hate the profession that they're studying or they hate the the field that they're studying for a specific profession i sadly unfortunately know quite a few people who have gone from I'm going to keep it a bean with y'all. We're talking tuition, 70, 80, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And regret where they went. Did not follow or pursue that profession. Don't even talk to any of the people that they so-called were being chummy chummy with. That's why I said it's important to find those genuine connections, or I'm sorry, genuine interests that you can build genuine, genuine connections. And most importantly, you identify various professions, career paths based on your genuine interests. This is not the only way to be successful because successful or success means different things to different people. But it's the worst thing in the world when you're earning money, you're earning a living, but you hate what you do every day to earn that living. That is not a good feeling. Been there, done that, don't ever want to do that crap again. And I highly doubt you even want to start. If you haven't started yet, I damn, damn sure believe you don't want to start that now. So once you establish your why, what it's specifically that genuinely interests you and why you're doing it, why you're pursuing it. It's easy to find after that, once you're honest with yourself, it's easy to find career paths and in different fields that you can make a living from. And don't go for it, oh, because this makes me a billion dollars, this makes me a millionaire, whatever. No, it may, I can make a living from it. I can make a comfortable living from it because you could be a millionaire doing anything. You could be famous doing anything. Doesn't mean you're, you're gonna be considered su successful for yourself. And it doesn't mean you're gonna be genuinely happy. How does that relate to that network? Okay, now, do we have Specifically, are there schools that are better than others? See, this starts out the network. Because if I identify what I love to do, why I love to do it, in this, and maybe one or two, because it could be multiple career paths within that genuine interest. Now, what's the next thing I'm going to look for? Well, how do I get to that point? Number one, it could be the college. It could be the grad school. It could be the certification program. 
from that program are their organizations within the institutions or within the organization that I need to obtain the credentials, such as fraternities, sororities, social clubs. So now you have two levels of that network building out for you. Notice, I'm not saying anything about age. None of this comes to play. Age does not come into play here. And it shouldn't come into play. Because if you left a 20-year career somewhere to pursue your entrepreneurial venture, just pursue your startup, to start your franchise, to start your, your chain store, your small business, right? Even if you're already a profession in a field, you might have to go back. You might have to get a certification. You may have to get a license, an additional license. You may have to go back to school and get a specific area education completed, your bachelor's degree, in order to sit for a certification test. Right? If you want to have your series six, series seven, be a CPA. You want to start your law practice. The reason why it's open-ended here is because when we allow people to put us into that box, oh, you you didn't do this at 18, then you can't get to here when you're 50. No, it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry, it really doesn't. If you think that way, it'll work that way. But if you realize it doesn't have to work that way, So if my entrepreneurial venture, I need to go back to school and I figure out, hey, you know what? I don't actually have to go to a physical campus. I can do it online, right? While I'm learning as I'm going. Maybe I miss out on the fraternity, sorority, social clubs. But once again, I'm going to a specific school online. I'm gonna take the online courses. Here's the next stage. What online communities do we have for from this school? Because I can tell you right now, I know about 30 people from I took one course on Coursera. Right. And I know and I still keep in touch with about 30 people from that course. Here's the crazy part about it. The majority of the people were not in that exact that exact group that I was in. They took the same course, but they took the course a year before me. Most of the people I'm talking about, the 30 people I'm talking about, they actually took the course after me. And the way I connected with these people was because I would continuously be active in the group that was initially started by the group that graduated before me. See, it doesn't have to be in the traditional physical classes in classrooms. These are all tools in what you use them for and what you make of them. Okay, and the great part about it, just like with this course, the best aspect about building a successful network is that it doesn't take a long time to do it. And it doesn't take a significant financial investment. Whether it be going to college for four years, taking one course at a city college, taking a course on Coursera or another online platform. Right now you have something in experience to connect with other people. 
And when they see you doing well in those programs or they see you working hard on those programs or you share what you're interested in, once again, genuine interest, which means you have no problem talking about it, getting in conversations, breakout rooms, you know, talking about it over over drinks, going out for dinner, over lunch, you know, uh, just bouncing ideas off of other people, you know. You build that camaraderie that we've experienced something together, that we've been through the trenches together, or that we know about the same experience, or we know about the same environment. So we can now we have a deeper level of a relationship. And once again, it has nothing to do with the financial investment. So I didn't even have to go to an Ivy League school, right? I went to a school, I went to a program online. I hired one person that I went to that I went through this course with two other people became clients because they needed to outsource some work so they hired me now yeah out of 30 people i've just mentioned three but hey it doesn't always have to end up in in a monetary sense it's just a good relationship so when we come back from commercial what we're gonna do is we're gonna break out various examples of powerful networks how they all started in different places and the ways you can identify opportunities to start one of your own or, in some cases, even join a network, right? Because what we just went over is the different types, where it can start, but not necessarily solid examples of actual, very well-known, notable um, works that have been documented and been, and been very um, well-followed. What we're going to go into next are those types of networks. And let me tell you the two that we're going to start off with. Just to give you an example, it takes you all the way from the tech world to the music industry, specifically hip hop. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely crazy. But the real thing is, is that it shows this is a great illustration of how it doesn't have a specific face, race, language, anything, industry. It doesn't matter. Powerful networks are everywhere and they're easy to create if you're genuinely interested and you genuinely want to build with other people. Get a crack when we come back from commercial. What's good, everybody? So we're back. And, you know, America's in love with certain groups. America's in love with certain terms and, and organizations. And for lack of a better term, right? America's really in love with the idea, the concept of the mafia. We all, we've heard about it. All of, I mean, everything from Italian mafia you know, Chinese mafia, Russian mafia. I mean, you've heard it in so many different movies, books, utilized everywhere. Okay, all over. Literature, film, doesn't matter. We've heard about these things. Because that goes to the core of a lot of the things that interest us in our entertainment, in our fiction, even in our non-fiction, trying to understand how that world works, right? And the term has been used... For anything that's really considered more, you know, not so much a secret society, but a group of people who are really tight, who work closely together. It's hard to infiltrate, almost almost impossible for the outsider to 
to get a, a, a better perspective of it because that's the best way we can define those types of things, right? And, and it's so funny to bring that up when it comes to a network, but I'll give you an example of a network that a lot of people miss, a lot of people miss. But if, you, if you're involved in the tech world over the past, heck, even the past two or three years, but especially over the past 10 to 15 years, you've definitely heard this term before, and the term is called the PayPal Mafia. Okay, the PayPal Mafia. And what a few people, a few people have gone, I mean, super in-depth in researching and writing about is just how interesting that the connection between these, uh, a small group of what have become the most, some of the, or not the most, but at least some of the most notable founders. I mean, from venture capitalists to developers to just flat out moguls. It's really crazy how a lot of the biggest brands in the world of technology all come from primarily this small group of people. Okay. Starting all the way from who, you know, gave the initial startup capital to those who ran and just redefined entire industries. Okay, we're talking about over to over a dozen different firms all have their roots from PayPal. And most notably, right, we have, of course, goes without saying Elon Musk. Now, Elon probably doesn't need much of a <laughs> of an intro, you know, because between SpaceX, between uh, clearly the work he did at PayPal, because a lot of people don't know, like the initial um, the initial history of him working at PayPal. And then at one point, he actually was the CEO of PayPal, right? Musk basically between Tesla and SpaceX has revolutionized transportation and space exploration, right? And I'm not going to say single-handedly because of the, the fact, clearly, hundreds of thousands, potentially, employees and contractors working along with them to implement the vision. But it's, it's very easy to say that he's quite possibly the most popular of the group from the PayPal Mafia. So really what the PayPal Mafia is, you're looking at not only the founders the initial investor and or one of the initial investors, as well as the, some of the initial developers and designers at the major, you know, financial firm or financial or digital financial company, PayPal. OK, and what happened is, is over the years, this initial group that basically made PayPal the juggernaut it became or it is to, to this day have all gone on to develop dozens of tech brands now peter Thiel. okay peter Thiel actually founded one of the another major platform but peter Thiel was one of the most and has become one of the most notable driving forces of venture capitalists and 
developers or, or developing relationship for developers to build their platforms. Okay, many many platforms can go back to Peter Thiel and say, you know, where he really kind of infused not only capital but helped them with once again relationships and building relationships. All right. And he went out and he developed another major platform. Some might be, you know, very familiar with, um, especially in the tech world, uh, Palantir, which is a, you know, an actual software platform that manages and analyzes data, which, as we all know, is the number one commodity. Not just now, but has been the number one commodity and is going to continue to be the most important commodity outside of what really outside of water and air. <laughs> Let's just be real. Right. Then you have Max, uh, Max Levchin, who was actually PayPal's co-founder, who founded another small financial firm, which a few of us might be familiar with if we've ever bought anything online and wanted to do, you know, the, the as they say, you know, the buy now, pay later kind of platform. But one of the most famous one of those platforms, Affirm. He also, this is the co-founder of PayPal who actually just, who developed a firm. So as we keep going through, and I mean, it's, it's quite a few. I'm only going to go through a few of them, but I just want to get the idea of showing you how all these guys were either the co-founder, initial investors, initial developers. Okay, some of the first developers that worked on these platforms and they built relationships with one another to either invest, help develop, help connect and build the other platforms. Okay, fertility tracking company called Glow. A lot of people might not know it outside of that, but Glow was one of the first and is still one of the most powerful, right? Apps that uses data science to help track periods, ovulation, fertility, pregnancy, and children's growth. Now, if that's not a very powerful Think about that for a moment. Apps designed to track basically the development of human life. <laughs> oh, okay. Which came out of Levchin's startup incubator. Right? The founder of Glow, literally, his, incu his startup incubator, once again, an infusion of capital, resources, network, helped start Glow. Keep in mind, when I mention Elon Musk, that means I'm connecting Tesla and SpaceX. Not to mention some of the first developers, some of the very first developers in PayPal. Remember I talked about the very first developers went on to start a very small, but maybe you might have heard of this platform. But the co-founders of YouTube actually were some of the first developers to work for PayPal. Now, YouTube was not created by Google. It was not created by Alphabet. It was purchased. Very similar to what we saw with Instagram and Facebook, right? YouTube, Instagram, WhatsApp, Skype. So many other platforms were not necessarily created by their, their future or current parent companies. YouTube goes right along with that. The very first, the, the co-founders of YouTube worked for PayPal in the very, very early days. Which makes perfect sense 
because you have to keep in mind this is when everything was hey let's test it out build it see what we can do with it test it out build it see what can happen with it right so you have when you have a bunch of people genuine interest where their goal is let's just in our commonality and our understanding of what we want to achieve we just want to see what technology does at this point because all the stuff isn't out there remember there was no competitor of youtube there was no competitor of instagram there was no there weren't many competitors of paypal there were some competitors at one point right in this early stages there were already some online transaction platforms but they were very unsecure they were very dangerous to use and paypal was the one they got picked up and utilized the most by ebay right ebay the growth of ebay and amazon and people wanting to shop online is what really helped paypal where we want something secure so everybody who was a part of that in their initial stages they're under a microscope and people are looking at them hey what else can these guys do now i bring all that up because before i get to the next uh, example of a network is remember what i brought up before it doesn't have to be college none of these guys went to college together none of these guys Guys didn't go to university together. Guys didn't grow up in even in the same countries, right? A lot of them came from all different parts of the world. What brought them together was the job. What got brought them together was the very first major platform they all worked on together. To be honest with you, from what I've heard in some, some articles, some of these guys don't even talk to each other anymore. They don't know each other. But it doesn't necessarily mean all of them became friends. It means they saw common interests. How can I get to the next stage? Hey, maybe this guy over here working across the table who does the other side. Maybe I do UX, he does UI. Just giving you an example from a web development standpoint. Um, you know, I focus on the interface, he focus more on the experience. I focus more on the nuts and bolts and the back end of, of the platforms. They focus more on the front end, the facing, you know, the stuff that the customer sees. But they have a really great understanding of that and I like what they do. But we're in the same world of technology here. This can apply to anything. This can apply to absolutely anything. You're building a restaurant. You know how restaurant management should go. And for anybody who's worked in a restaurant or knows people who worked in the hospitality field, I guarantee you, I guarantee you most people are going to agree with me on this. There's a really bad concept that some people have is I can run a kitchen, but I can also run easily i can run the nuts and bolts po's staffing you know promotions money management there's a bad concept that some people have that all of that is easy enough you know if i can run one side i can run the other side just as easy not true not true the hospitality industry is a very volatile it's it's one of the hardest industries to be have any kind of sustained success you might be good one year horrible the next year things like this pandemic quarantine affect you a great deal so if i know for a fact hey i'm a great chef i'm a great cook i can handle a kitchen i can handle that staff and i know for a fact i know somebody who's a great restaurateur somebody who can open a restaurant and make sure it pops make sure it has a steady stream of revenue coming through that door the costs will be low the profits, the margins will be significant to where we can run a sustainable, successful business. Maybe I need to collaborate with that person. And how do we meet? Went to the same culinary school, but you know what? They weren't the best of chefs, but they could run a restaurant. How did we meet? We went to the same school that had a culinary program and a business program. How do we meet? 
and and I'm giving you a real life example. How did we meet? I was the cook at a restaurant. This person was the major D. And they always wanted to open their own restaurant, but they couldn't cook, cook for nothing. I'll leave you a link to that example, which is absolutely awesome. It happens all the time. It could be your first job. You could be at McDonald's. You're the cashier. You want to run your own restaurant one day. You don't want to get a franchise. You want to own your own restaurant. But you're learning the front end of the business. You're learning what it takes to bring customers to the door. You're learning about you're learning about branding. You're learning about you're learning about not only a quality product, but you're learning about the consistency of a product and how important it is. So you find cooks, you find people, you find the staff, you find the leadership and the other aspects of the business. But you notice I said you're starting off with, with McDonald's, which has some, one of the best training programs in all of business. It's a fact. Some of the best training at Ronald McDonald University. That's right. The Golden Arches. The Big U. <laughs> the Golden Arches U. Or the Golden U, however they want to call it. I don't know what they call it like that. But it's not clown school. It's Ronald McDonald University, dang it. And it's a very well-known training program. And I'm not even trying to be funny on this, man. It's just, I mean, I know somebody's laughing out there and I'm kind of laughing a little bit at myself, but it's the truth. It's the God's honest truth. It's a very well-known and it's a very significant franchise program. You want to own your own McDonald's restaurant? You got to go through that program as well you should. Because like I said, it's consistency. It's branding. Right? So can you imagine the other people who are going to go through that training? They're going to build a relationship with one another. They're going to bounce ideas off each other when they, when they, people start opening their own locations. That network can start anywhere. It's all about the experience. It's all about the same common genuine interest. Right? We might have different goals. I might want to start YouTube you may want to, you know, you may want to develop SpaceX or Tesla. But at the end of the day, we're in the same spot right now and we have goals. It's like that old song goes, ah, crap, I don't want to be sued, so I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I was about to sing it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, I'll leave a link to the song. <laughs> I'll leave a link to that song because I, I don't want to get sued. But <laughs> um, and let me tell you, the, the, the suit, the, the lawsuit fingers are out there. They're just waiting for somebody to infringe on a license and just jump on it. But <laughs> but at the end of the day, it comes back to that common interest. Now, the other network and, and frankly, it's like. It's amazing how we don't see these things sometimes unless we're really, of course, involved in that industry in one way or another. I love comic books. I love music. And I'll give you two good examples how this relates to it. A lot of the properties you guys will know nowadays, you might not even know that these were comic books, but you'll probably know The Walking Dead. You will know, um, oh, well, definitely, you'll know if you, if you watch any type of TV, you know, Invincible, you know, 
um, books like The Boys, or I'm sorry, once again, shows like The Boys. You'll know characters like Spawn. You'll know all kinds of characters, right? And the crazy part is, is that the company that is responsible for for these properties and so many more really stem from one of the good examples of when it comes down to a network of creators working together to redefine an industry so image comics okay started basically from the frustration okay of seven of the best artists that were in the industry at a specific time the most notable artists right not necessarily legendary when it comes to they've been in the business for so long more so they had redefined the industry from the two big publishing houses of comic books dc comics and marvel comics all right so the names some some of you might know them somebody you know some some of you guys might not know these names but todd mcfarland rob liefeld jim lee wills portatio eric larson jim valentino okay these guys basically and i mean just a long story short just got fed up with artists especially because you were all artists right but artists developing creations developing these amazing characters and basically getting pennies on the dollar let's just be real in many cases right because they didn't own those characters that they were creating they didn't own those specific uh, rendition, uh, renditions of those characters that they were creating they didn't own those titles if they even created a title because just like all of us if we're an employee for a company typically whatever we do whatever we create that company owns these guys were in the same boat so what they did is basically ultimatum listen we're out we're not going to keep creating these characters we're not going to keep running these books and having the most successful books it's basically like this think about it this way if you create something right you're getting paid let's just say you're getting paid your regular salary and your salary is pretty significant let's let's throw out a good number a livable number at least for an individual let's not you know consider a big family anything like that let's say you're making eighty thousand dollars a year you're making eighty thousand dollars a year but and this is when you really want to look at it from the area of a creative right you're making any business but especially a creative you are making salary eighty thousand dollars a year salary means you could work 10 you can work 10 20 hours a week you can work 60 hours a week you can work 70 hours a week your salary no overtime nothing like that right flat but what you create every month is actually bringing in two three maybe even in some cases and i wouldn't be shocked 10 times what you make in one year what you created is bringing it in every month so if you are getting paid eighty thousand dollars a year the creations you're making are bringing in eight hundred thousand eight million potentially a month when you start seeing stuff like that yeah you get a little but hey it's your job right so the cool part about it is, is that what these guys did is they basically say hey, you know what we're tired of that 
when we can, we know for a fact, if we go out there, we create our own. Not only, yeah, it's going to hurt you guys. But more importantly, we're going to get what we, we basically, we're going to get out what we put in. We're putting in 10, 20, 30 million dollars worth of content. So think about it from a content creator perspective. If you're a content creator. But we're not getting even 10% of that back. We're ba- Or maybe we're barely getting 10% of that back. Right? This is not affiliate marketing. This is me literally creating all the content. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. So what these guys did is they created their own comic book publishing company and of course it was some ups and downs and struggles and i'm not trying to get into all of the nits, nuts and bolts of that what i'm more so focusing on is not necessarily the good stuff and not the bad stuff what i'm focusing on is the fact that working together in a common interest right they and they built out a network from there they built out a network of other writers other artists that wanted to work with them they shared writers they shared artists. They shared resources. And no, it wasn't all, you know, lovey-dovey and it wasn't all perfect. Nowhere near that. But today, today, that company that they started is still around. They, and I mentioned one of the most successful, most important, one of the most successful TV shows in the last, what, 30 years. The Walking Dead actually comes from them. One of the most successful properties and brands When it comes to characters, you know, science fiction and and comic characters and properties to this day, Spawn came from them and came from that business and that corporation. And every last one of the gentlemen that I mentioned, including the many, many men and women that have worked for that for, for that brand. The great part about working with Image Comics is a lot of them have gone on to do the exact same thing where they own their property. They own their rights. So they actually established a culture on top of just in general, this one company, they established a culture and a new standard of doing things. So with the right network, you can develop something and redefine an industry, create an industry. Going back to the Elon Musk, redefined space exploration, redefined automobile manufacturing. I've said it and I will continuously say this. Going to YouTube and using it as a reference. YouTube is quite possibly the best platform for content creators. No question. Because YouTube takes an element from its parent company that rewards content creators better than most platforms. Better than most business owners or platforms that support business owners. I will argue that for until you give me until until you give me evidence otherwise. It is still one of the best platforms, if not the best platform to be a content creator. Now, if you want to go into restrictions and things of that nature, well, once again, it's their platform. They have a right to those restrictions. If you want to make your own restrictions or you want no restrictions, make your own platform. But in general, when it comes to how to reward content creators and the growth, look at everybody who's blowing up from YouTube. It's 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 scary of how big they actually get. It makes TikTok 
And that's what TikTok is truly trying to become. If you notice that side note, side rant, if you notice TikTok is trying to be the real competitor of YouTube, if you're not really paying attention to that, you're missing something. And they uh, and honestly, no other platform is even close to competing with YouTube for content creators. Not definitely not Instagram, definitely not Twitter, nowhere near Facebook, not WhatsApp, none of those, even though they're all same parent company primarily, right? Not even OnlyFans, not Vimeo, no one. No one is a direct competitor when it comes to being a solid platform for a content creator to make a viable, very good living like TikTok and YouTube. Those, that's the real competition. Not enough people are talking about that, but I digress. The key is to find a network. Their common interest and their common or there's to say the experience that they had in common and the interests that they have in common. Same thing with PayPal. We want to redefine technology, redefine. We want to keep throwing out new technology and what we can test and what we can make. Let's work together and get it done. Let's work together and invest in one another, whether it be a fusion of capital, resources, resources such as a place to work, resources such as another developer, another designer, another marketer, another business development agent. Another sales representative, another facility, a place to work out of. With Image Comics, we've all gone through a crappy experience as creators. So let's work together to build a better environment for creators, to support creators and continuously support creators. Sidebar, for those who don't know, Jim Valentino's Shadowhawk is an amazing book. And for the comic book heads out there, hey, if you guys are comic book fans and you haven't checked out Shadowhawk, look up Shadowhawk. Awesome book. Highly, highly, highly underrated. Highly underrated. Quite possibly, in my opinion, the most underrated of that of that group. But I digress. I digress. So from a creative standpoint, from a tech standpoint, those are good examples of a network outside of the traditional. But what are some of the more traditional networks? We'll get in those when we come back. The more traditional networks for various professions, how to find them. And we'll even go over a little bit of the requirements to join each one. What's good, y'all? So we're back, and now let's get into what be what would be considered the more traditional forms of a network, a professional network, and a professional association. I brought up before what what we consider like the the professions, right? So you have the medical field, um, legal field, engineering, accountants, um, architecture, and the great thing about it, especially with these types of professions, is there's a ton of associations, a ton of networks. Okay, that are developed specifically for those of us to build relationships, to continuously learn and help us grow in our careers within those fields. It is not restricted to 
just those professions. There's associations, there are professional associations. And the first thing you should do, as soon as you look into, I'm gonna start my business, I'm gonna get in a specific industry, what professional associations, what professional networks are available that are specifically for my industry and those that can benefit or those who do work within my industry? Because there's typically, like I said, there's just two types, right? So here's a good example. If you're an accountant, and I, I remember I was actually exposed to this network in college, and I and because of the name of the association in the, in the actual um, organization, I thought it was restricted to this, to this group, right? So it was the National Association of Black Accountants. Actually a very powerful, a very well-known, a very well-established network. And I was like, oh, well, I'm not an accountant student, right? Well, research, a lot, and I do mean a lot, of entrepreneurs who are not accountants, a lot of business owners who are not accountants are a part of NAPA, which is the National Association of Black Accountants. I'm just giving this as an example. And with a little research, and literally the research is just reviewing the requirements, I'd, I found out, and then of course asking a few um, current members, or at that time they were current student members, now they're all professional members. It was like, yeah, you don't have to be an accountant student. You just have to follow, you just have to be a part of some type of business program. This was in college. And then of course, outside of that, your profession, right? Something in regards to management, business and management. Well, almost every industry has business management, right? Because every industry is a business. So this goes to show you that a little bit of research could, could save you from, oh man, passing up a great opportunity working with a great organization. Fantastic association, fantastic organization. There's a lot of charity work. There's a lot of outreach when it comes to financial literacy, um, helping students, you know, opportunities from, you know, from, from helping them develop their own careers or, you know, working for someone else or even a career as an entrepreneur and a career as a business owner. Another very famous association, once again, not related to one specific industry, the American Management Association. Now, the AMA, and, and I, I stay away from saying AMA because there's quite a few AMAs, but the American Management Association goes across all industries. I first found out about this industry working in retail, or I'm sorry, association working in the retail industry, right? Because you had, a ton, and I do mean a ton, a ton of leadership uh, from various areas, of, uh, for various um, types of retail, right? Big box, pharmacy, discount, a lot of leadership either take courses with AMA, are members of AMA, right? Or uh, once again, make clarify the American Management Association because there's another AMA I'm going to mention next, and it's going to be like I don't want to confuse people. <laughs> but it's fascinating how a lot of people will pass it up. Well, I'm not in a managerial role, or I'm not a manager of a people manager. Everything from project managers, product managers. Operations managers didn't matter, didn't matter at all. The fantastic thing about this organization or this association specifically is the number of courses, the number of constant education that I see pushed from the American Management Association. The amount of education, the amount of continuous you know, opportunities to keep learning and keep growing 
If you run a business, the amount of continuous education and continuous push for for personal growth and and more so professional growth in this case that the one thing I enjoy the most about the American Management Association I think especially if you are going to be in a people leadership role if you're starting your business from scratch and you know you're going to be leading people right and with all due respect you want to be a CEO you can't call yourself a CEO and you don't have you don't have other officers you don't have other you know employees so if you want to see yourself in that CEO role and you know you're going to have to be a people leader and a, and a, and a people manager the courses to help you grow and continuously learn that the AMAR that the American Management Association offers are beyond beyond the value of just okay taking it that one time I learned a few core I learned a few things you'll be shocked at how you continuously keep applying what you learn in one course in one webinar one seminar which takes me to another organization okay the American Marketing Association marketing professionals of any specialty even those that some might say are their own industry like public relations public relations is a very specific area but it's definitely related to marketing they work hand in hand they work very closely together i would suggest if you want to consider yourself a true marketing professional professional you have to at the very least at the very least attend at least one event okay because the american marketing association the wealth of connections within that organization that alone is worth joining but the once again continuing education here's a big thing that a lot of entrepreneurs and i tell you if you don't want to make the mistakes of like i tell you i'm always gonna keep it real with you i'm gonna keep it mean with you if you don't want to make the mistakes of an uber you don't want to make the mistakes of a lot of startups you don't want to make the mistakes that a lot of franchisee even a lot of franchise owners first-time franchisers uh franchise owners make oh i started the business i gotta stop learning oh i started this business and i need to have a college degree therefore i don't need to learn anything else the single biggest mistake a business owner an entrepreneur can make is to say that they know everything and they don't have to learn anything else i can't tell you how many businesses i spoke to in 2017 18 and 19 i don't need a website i don't need seo i don't know what that stuff is it doesn't matter maybe i have a social media page 2020 hits 2021 hits no one can find me online but i'm still in business people don't know what's going on with my business and people are calling me asking me what's going on how do i inform them how can i keep them informed with it and i had to scale back on my staff so i don't have people to answer the phone I don't have people to constantly answer these questions. What's a good way to keep them informed? Do you have a Google My Business page? What the heck is that? Do you run ads to let people know that you're available and that you're, or that your business is now strictly online and you're no longer taking customers in store? 
I've never ran a Google ad, never ran a Facebook ad, never ran a Yelp ad. How do you stay connected and how do you tell people about your loyalty program? Do you do email marketing? Never tried it. The same stuff I was bringing up in 2017, 2018, 2019. And it's not about me bringing it up. It's not about other professionals in my field bringing it up. It's about that's the way the business is going. If your business is just now getting on social media in 2021, 2022, 2023, you're way behind the curveball, unless your business just opened. Not only is a Facebook like page, a Twitter, an Instagram, whatever it may be, is free, but it's the quickest and it's one of the easiest ways for you to stay connected to your customers. So unless your business is opening this year, you have no excuse for not having at least one of these channels open for you. Now, I can understand if not all of them are effective for you because that's, that's the way it's going to be. That's why you open multiple to see where your customers are. That's why you ask your customers questions to know where they're going to be. But if you tell me you've been in business for 10, 15 years and you don't even have a Facebook like page, you don't have a Google My Business account or, or profile. I'm going to ask you, OK, so. Are you trying to stay in business? Do you even care about your customers? Seriously. Because what I just brought up to you is free. So if you're not even taking the free steps to stay connected to your customers, because this is where the industry is going, this is where your customers are going, more importantly, because the industry is just really going to follow the customers. This is why joining an organization like I'm talking about, like the American Marketing Association, if you're a marketing professional, you should always be learning about the new marketing materials. And I'm not talking about posters, flyers, press kits, nothing like that. I'm talking about channels and way to stay connected and learn and develop relationships. That's what marketing is about. Research, understanding, connecting. How are you going to call yourself a brand professional? How are you going to call yourself a marketing professional in any, in any aspect? SEO, email marketing, direct marketing. Sales and marketing, marketing promotions, public relations. And then back in 2018, when we were talking about, hey, you know, cookies are going to be they're going to start getting rid of cookies. And tracking. In this aspect of tracking. If you tell me you're a marketing professional, been in the field for five, 10 years and you you weren't preparing for that back in 2018, 2019 and 2020, I'm going to ask you. Where were you? Because we've been talking about this for the past three to five years, in some cases. Not tout my, not too, you know, not not trying to pop my collar too much. But when I, I never forget it. The day I got the email that cookies, they're about to get rid of, you know, cookies are going to go away. They're going to have to go away at some point. We need to start preparing for that. That was in 2018 when I first heard that. And a little shout out. Hey, they don't need me to shout them out, but I will. It was from Microsoft, who was constantly talking about this. We got to prepare for this. If you're a marketing professional, where are you with this? This isn't me toot my own horn. This is this is just saying this is what you're supposed to be doing if you call yourself a professional. And if you're going to have clients who entrust things into you, you should be prepared for that. So organizations specifically for a profession in the industry are great. And the last one I'll go to for a profession. Now, this is a personal <laughs> favorite. 
But this is a profession, not a, this can be across any industry. The PMI, Project Management Institute. And the crazy part about it is, it's like a lot of things where, just like with, with NABA, the National Association of Black Accountants, American Management Association, sometimes it, you're thinking it's only for certain positions. American Management Association, I have to be a specific manager or I have to be, you know, it's, I have a specific, uh, a specific type of manager. PMI is very similar where, yes, of course, project managers, of course, it's, it's the organization for project managers, but there's different certifications that they offer and a lot of different types of leadership have joined PMI. Doesn't necessarily mean they're certified, right? Doesn't mean that they're certified specifically for being project managers. They could be program managers, even product managers, Six Sigma, different areas available with PMI. But the reason why this network, this association is extremely important because when we talk about the way things are changing in workplaces, one of the first groups to really talk about the changing environment, once again, we're talking 10 years ago, Teams that are overseas, outsourced groups, working remotely, and the importance of consistent, comprehensive communication, streamlined teams, okay, keeping people informed, keeping people on track, keeping people connected and engaged. One of the first organizations to really start from that I saw talking about this on a regular basis was the PMI for a very good reason. The project managers at the core, right? So if it's a project manager at the core, my team might be in four, my team members in four different countries. Hell, we all have worked with teams, whether you are a, a small business owner, you own a chain, a franchise, doesn't matter. We all know sometimes it's hard to get people on the same page and they all, they could live in the same building. <laughs> they work in the same office. They will live on the same street in the same city. Imagine trying to do that with people who speak multiple languages in different countries, different continents, different time zones, right? To be in the same page, to understand the importance at the same level and the focus on delivering a specific level of service to a client. So PMI already was ahead of that game. Now we're in the world of freelancers. Well, I should say we've already had freelancers. We've always had, we've always had contractors, but now we're in the world where freelancing and contracting is the norm. So that puts more stress on product managers, on project managers, on people leadership, on people leaders, right? Consistently publishing articles, trainings, exercises, workshops, but here's the big piece of that network, opportunities. Opportunities to showcase your skill set. Now, this is not the go get a job show. This is not, you have to be an entrepreneur show. This is the ambition show. So if the opportunity you're looking for is to, hey, I wanna get my feet wet first. Makes perfect sense to me. Maybe you want to get some training under your belt. You want to get some on the job training. You know what that means? You want to go work for somebody before you start your own show, your own shop. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. 
That's what typically an apprenticeship is, right? That's what an internship is in some cases. You intern for somebody, you're like, you know what? Now I want to run my own business. I run and run my own, you know, my own gig, or I want to do it on a smaller level and then grow. It's ambition. So the opportunity of the education you can get from all these organizations and more is to develop you. But for you guys out there who think, oh, I, well, I have my own goals. Or I don't need to learn under you. Okay, keep thinking that. That's okay. Not everybody has the same path, though. So this is not a one-stop shop. This could be you are starting your business. Once again, you need a network. If you are if you are starting a business as a web developer, if you're starting a business as a graphic designer, you're starting a business as a, um, a software engineer, and I'm just going to be real with you guys. You don't have any kind of network to, to rely on. It's going to be hard for you to get some business right off the bat. Because now you have to showcase, well, how do I know you can even do what you say you can do? If you're an accountant or you want, or you want to start your own accounting firm, you've never worked for a major accounting house, you know, major accounting firm. You you haven't worked in the accounting department for for any type of business. You don't have any clients from the past because you're just starting out. How do I know you can do what you say you do? You just just because you have you just came out of school, you have a CPA. That doesn't mean anything to me. I care about with the number. I care about what you can do as an accountant, right? Well, you know what happens when you join a lot of these organizations? They have workshops, they have seminars, they have webinars where you're working with others. And in many cases, in every experience I've had, I'm in a room. I'm in a chat session. I'm in a, uh, a live chat, you know, um, live video chat. I'm in a classroom. I'm in a workshop with at least one or two people who have five, 10, 20 years experience, have their own firms, have their own businesses. They're there to get credit hours. They're there to get more, you know, time for certification. They are there to audit. I've been in that, in that room, which is a really cool room to be in, where somebody's auditing the workshop because the person instructing the workshop, okay, just started this and they wanted to get another experienced person to let them know, hey, how well it works. But the person auditing that workshop, they've got about 15 to 20 years in the game. They, they run their own business where 50, 60, couple of hundred employees. And it's cool to pick the brain of a person who's auditing workshops. They're like, yeah, I've host workshops. I hold web webinars. I have an entire training course that I get paid for. You got to pay $5,000 to come to my training course if you want my time. And I only take five or 10 people at a time. And I only do this once a year because that's all like, ah, that's all I got time to do. Even though they're making bank off of it, they're like, oh, that's all I have time for. It's really cool to pick that person's brain. And you're in the room with them and you say, you know what? I need experience. You know what? I got a couple projects. I need somebody to run second chair. I need somebody to run as a backup. I need somebody to kind of do the editing, the auditing, if you will, of the work. Or you know what? Let's see what you can do. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you kind of a trial run. I've been in all those situations and they happen all the time. And when you join one of these organizations or will you at least get involved in, in one of their um, one of their learning opportunities it makes it really easy 
really easy to get an opportunity like this. The one thing is genuine interest. You genuinely want to learn. You genuinely want to grow. You genuinely want to be successful. It's like that musician. They they know they can rhyme. They know they can write songs. They know they can they know they can put together music. But when they get in the room with an engineer, they get in the room with the producers, they're just picking their brains. How does this work? How does that sound? How did you know? How did you know what sample to put here? How did you know what sample to put there? How did you know how to layer the voices? You see, you can apply this to anything. This is not restricted to one profession or one industry. What this comes down to is your hunger and your ambition to achieve your goal in your field, your career, whatever it may be that drives that entrepreneurial spirit. So what I'm going to do for you guys, there's a link in the description to the top professional organizations, right? By industry and by some by profession. And this goes from everything from business management, accounting, project management, technology, music, film, everything. Like I said, it's not restricted. So for you is in a link to the to that uh, to those lists in the description. When we come back, we're gonna go over the two most important keys to developing that network online and offline. When we get back from our commercial. All right, cool, y'all. So now we're back. Check out that link in the description to the list of professional networks by industry, by profession. So wealth of information there. Those links are taking you directly to the about sections to each one of those organizations and associations. That way you can see why you should join, what they what they specifically do. Because you could be an accountant and you might want to join one, um, one of the account associations that are listed there and not one of the others. It depends on your fit, but then also it gives you an opportunity to just learn about them in general, just to learn about those programs. So with that being said, what are those keys? What are the two keys to developing a relation to developing those networks, but how to do it both or how to apply them online and offline? And the first one is I brought this up early. I cannot say this enough. You'll constantly hear this. It'll be said to you five different ways, but it's the exact same thing. Find your interest and then find the community as soon as possible. In other words, I knew I wanted to create. And that's very, very abstract and it's very general. When I truly, and I do mean this, when I truly defined it, oh, I don't want to just create, I want to write. I enjoy copy. I enjoy writing. I enjoy telling a story. I enjoy telling the story of a brand, of a business, to build a connection, to get people engaged, to help, to really, to really get you to kind of sink into the world that I'm going to craft for you. I enjoy using words to do that. Join writing groups, copywriting groups, right? Marketing communication groups, storytellers, fiction, nonfiction. The sooner you identify your true interest, why you enjoy it, what makes you, what makes you happy to do it, and then connecting it to a profession, find that community. Find that community immediately because, hey, I need another writer on this. 
I, the coolest part about that is, like I said, this is why it's so important to be genuinely interested. You will be shocked. And I'll give you a good example of this in a moment, but you'll be shocked of how when people find out you have a common interest with them, how op- how much they open up to you and, and want and want to share with you. I'll give you a good example. Over the past few years, you know what's really become popular? You know, for and I'm not trying to alienate anybody, but it's the truth. Black nerds. <laughs> I'm being real with you. African Americans who are really open about, hey, I mean, I enjoy comics. I enjoy cosplay. I enjoy science fiction. Because and, and like I said, it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy how it just sort of blew up over the past, especially over the past five to seven years. But it's truly it's, it's truly interesting how it's become far more popular. There used to be a time period you talked about it as a kid of as a kid of any color. I'm being real with you of, of any race, but especially African American. At least I can speak from that from my own personal experience. Talk about that you enjoy comics. Maybe you like comic books. Comic books really comic books like this because they're for one aspect there wasn't a lot of african-american superheroes right but what we've seen over the past 10 years oh you like comic books you like science fiction you like and then getting more into it you like you know you like stem you like science you like technology you like mathematics statistics analytics data science right and there's terms that have been coined, and one of them is, of course, black nerds. I mean, that's, you know, however you want to take that. But it's interesting how as soon as enough people started talking, hey, I'm interested in cosplay. I'm interested in anime. I'm interested in manga. I'm interested in those things. Oh, me too. Oh, me as well. Oh, I've been following, you know, that genre. Or I've been following that specific comic book or I've been interested in in graphic design or graphic art and it's amazing how then it develops into professions illustrators copy editors writers artists cover artists people have gotten into advertising because of it people have gone into marketing marketing analytics data science market research it's interesting how it just continuously continuously overflows because just a few people start stepping up and say, hey, you know what? I'm interested in this. I'm going to build a community on Reddit. I'm going to build a community on Facebook. I'm going to build a community. Um, I'm going to, you know, start a start an Instagram page where I talk about it. I'm going to start a, I'm going to start a YouTube page. And in fact, there's two YouTubers I follow who remind me of the guys I used to talk to. A couple of them became graphic designers. They went into advertising. Right. But if they had started YouTube pages, they would probably be YouTube pages. In fact, you know, what? I'm going to do do them a, f- a favor. It's not affiliate links or anything like that, but I'm going to link to um, Geeks Explained, Comics Explained. Really great, great YouTube channel I've been following for years. And it's a perfect example of how you're just your genuine interest goes back to my talk about YouTube being the best platform for creators. Right. It's just a great way to share your genuine interest and find your community. Right. I brought up this this uh, gentleman before, Pat Flynn, and he always talks about the riches in, are in the, or the I think he goes the riches is in the niches or the riches are in the niches. Basically. If you find your niche, you find your niche, however you want to say that. That's where the money is. 
that's where the success is and he's right he's 100 percent right but it also it goes right to this point here of when you share your genuine interest genuine interest wholeheartedly you go hard for it and you make sure that it's easy to find for that community the community will find you because they're looking for you they are actually looking for you it is one of those build it and they will come but you have to be you can't just say okay i'm going to build it and let it sit here it's more so i'm going to build it and i'm going to make sure it's shareable so that's where your keywords come in that's when seo comes in that's when you know using the, the science behind the, the behind the um the art really comes into play but that right there alone is the key and i just gave you the online aspect keywords online communities right joining facebook groups linkedin groups reddit feeds reddit threads twitter spaces things like that offline i brought them up before those 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 professional networks it's the same thing anything offline workshops seminars meetups now that we're getting back into the group of things meetups are going to come back up and, and they're going to they're going to be stronger than ever because there's nothing like an in-person meeting there's nothing like meeting somebody and speaking to them face to face right nothing like it that genuine connection but then there's also other pieces <clears throat> or i'm sorry not other pieces <laughs> other ways going about it sport groups right sporting social clubs the gym and I mean, not the gym that you're going hard and trying to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that. But the gym with, hey, you know what? You go basketball court, right? Yoga classes, Pilates, genuine interest, spinning class, genuine interest, Zumba, genuine interest, right? And if you're tying that to a profession, even better. But just a genuine interest to build out your network because. My one of my first clients, my one of my very first clients working on their logo design, working on their their visual branding, met him at the gym. He needed a spot. He hadn't really worked with dumbbells before. He hadn't worked with free weights before. I was definitely working with free weights at the time because that's when I was trying to be a personal trainer. I was like, hey, you know what? I need money. I'm, I'm, I'm graduating from college. I got to have some money to pay for this stuff. You know, the, for these for these bills that are going to add up pretty soon, I want to put myself in a position to where I'm not in debt. Let me start working out harder. I'm going to do just become a personal trainer for a short period of time because I enjoy working out. A genuine interest. He was trying to get into shape. I wasn't trying to be his trainer. Need a spot. We just started chit chat. Helped him on understanding form, holding the weights. Back should be positioned a certain way. You know, the way you sit in the chair. He's like, wow, you know a lot about this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but this is. I'm going into just a conversation. This is what I'm doing, finishing up college, but I want to open my own firm one time. My own firm one day, what type of firm? An agency, what type of agency? Digital marketing agency, and there we go. Well, can you design my logo, my business card, all my stuff like that? In fact, you know what, guys? I'm going to put that business card, I'm going to put that logo, I'm going to put that in, in the, um, the description of this episode. Because just to give you an example of what your first work could look like, right? But that's all offline, man. It's all offline. And the second key, I bring it up every single time. <clears throat> every single time. Okay. And it's not going to go away. This actually goes to everything that we talk about almost on every episode. Being consistent. 
being consistent, going to the meetings, participating in webinars, participating in seminars, sharing what you do, being active, being engaged. Because I can't tell you enough, that's infectious. When people see that, they want to they want to be around you. Wow, you know, you 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 constantly are at least stepping up and, and saying something in the workshop, saying something in the class. You share something in the comments. We've all seen that in every group we've been a part of. And it's not about being, you know, you want to be popular or teacher's pet or anything like that. It's about you're genuinely interested. So you're consistently a part of it and actively engaging. That that's contagious. People want to be around that. People want to be on your team, but more importantly, People want to be a part of your success because they know if they see you succeed, that's actually going to rub off on them. You've heard the whole term misery loves company, right? I can tell you success. People like to be around successful people. Now, if they genuinely are interested in your success, you know, that could be based on the types of relationships you're developing. Are they superficial or are they like the relationships? Like I said, with the whole PayPal. A lot of these guys, and I tell you, some of these articles, some of these guys don't even like each other anymore. I ain't gonna lie to you. But I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. If me and the guy <laughs> who develop YouTube, who develop PayPal, you know, help redefine eBay, If we don't get along now, but we got along to where we actually got that off the ground, I think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good. We can say, well, you know what? Looking back on it, look what we built together, though. But that's why you, you that's why I keep going back to the very first statement was about genuine relationships. So at this point, being consistent, I genuinely like, hey, man, I want to be a part of that. Or at least I want to learn what is it that gets you so engaged? Remember, I talked about asking questions, learning how, you know, learning a little bit of the ins and outs, maybe from persons with more experience. That's where it comes from. If I see you constantly commenting, if I see you constantly jumping in and engaging and sharing knowledge and sharing information, I want to know about that, too. I want to learn about that. Maybe I want to understand how it is you got to that point to help me get to that point. Now I can look at you as a mentor. Now you bring a whole nother level of value to that group. You bring a whole nother level of value, at least to this one specific member or group of members. All right. So be consistent. Find that genuine interest. Develop that tr that community or at least identify an opportunity to be a part of a community. And be consistently active, engaged and involved. Listen twice as much as you speak. So when you speak, it speaks volumes, but it's consistent. Hey, I heard that. I, I saw that comment. I just wanted to comment on it. I just wanted to share some feedback on it. Ask questions, but be consistently engaged and active. It's infectious. It's contagious. People want to be a part of it. And people will see you as a mentor or they'll at least just at least take your, you know, take that as a lead to, hey, you know what? Let me jump on board. And those who don't, that's just not in them. But I can tell you right now, nine times out of ten, you will get a lot more engagement. And I mean engagement directly to you from the other members. 
So, that leads us right into the book of the episode. Getting right into it. When it comes to being genuine, when it comes to listening, when it comes to being of value, no other book, and I mean, it's crazy how so many sales programs, it's amazing how many training programs from the American Marketing Association, American Management Association, Toastmasters, so many different organizations and associations have utilized this book as a part of its training, personal development, professional development, organizations all over the world to this day. How to Win Friends and and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Now, a lot of people you will hear, hey, this is an old book. Some of these concepts might be outdated. Everything has to evolve. Okay, let's get that out of the way right now. I'm not saying that everything in this book is exactly the same way as it was 40, 50, 60 years ago, as it was, or as it is today. In other words, meaning that you can apply everything directly verbatim because the world was different. But that's why the the updated edition, the training courses that are based on the book have constantly been revamped and evolved. I can't tell you enough though. At the core of the book, it's about human nature. And I'm being all with you, being honest with you, that ain't changing. <laughs> that is not changing. It's a four-part book that truly contains the advice on how to create success in business and personally through building relationships with people. You're not going to get to where you want. I'm true. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. When everybody, when you hear people say I'm self-made, I did all on my own, all of that is false. All of it. Now, the level that others were involved can can fluctuate a great deal. But if you tell me, hey, I made it all on my own, I'm completely self-made. Oh, so you didn't you never had a business partner. Never had a business partner. So you never had a customer. I've had plenty of customers. So how did you do it on your own? You see my point? You may have never had a business partner. You may have never had an investor. Your family could have not believed in you. Your friends could not believe in you. But you have a successful business, meaning you have customers. So you didn't do it on your own. Because if you did it on your own, you're selling to yourself. How are you making your money? You don't have distributors. You don't have advertisers. You don't have salespeople. You don't have you don't have employees. And, and I understand what people mean when they say I'm self-made or, you know, it's all, of, you know, it's all off the sweat of my own back and stuff like that. But that's when we start seeing and that's when we focus on exaggerating. You have to work with people. And the moment that you understand that the difference between using people and just being useful is a big difference. I don't mind being useful. I love being useful. The more I'm useful, that means more people are going to. When I came back from a vacation, I came back from, you know, detoxing and just trying to. Okay, I got to get this business off the ground. I need to take a step back. Talk about being useful. I had people. I literally had two people contacting me 
hey, as soon as you come back, I got a gig for you. I need you because the way you helped me on that other project was absolutely perfect. The way you helped me, I need that again. I have another person to send you. I, I love that when I hear that you helped me so well, I got somebody to send to you. And I do mean like they're on the they're on the phone. They're on the email. That's how you know you're useful. I just heard this new album. Man, it got me through a day. It's a, You know, what? I'm going to share that with you, man. Because I know, like you said, you had a tough day or you, you really want to power through this workout or, you know, you're about to do a lot of work and you need something to, to kind of keep you focused. Listen to this track. Listen to this song. Listen to this new album. That's useful. You see, that's useful from a, a traditional professional level to a useful from a creative level. I need to take a step back. You know what? I need some time to kind of just chip. Here's a great movie to watch. That's you creating useful content for somebody. This is a great YouTube channel. That's useful. And that can feed into everything that you do. This book talks about that. And I'll break down just a couple of areas from fundamental techniques in handling people. A lot of times we get this very confrontational, very adversarial, very defensive, which shuts us, which cuts off entire opportunities with people from the beginning. Six ways to make people like you. Now, that might sound a little crazy, but think about it. How many times do we, do we hear people? Well, you know what? I just I just like talking to that guy. It was the way she said things that made me feel more confident and, and made me feel that I could trust the level of service that her company was going to provide. How many times have we heard things like that? How to next one, how to win people in your way of thinking. Huge. Especially if you're an entrepreneur. We talked about being salesy and then we talked about being a good salesperson. Good salesperson, they understand the way to connect the value of what they do with what you need, with the solutions that you need. How to win people in your way of thinking. Because I can tell you right now, you know what's a hard sell? PayPal back in 1997, 1996. You know what right now? We have so many different payment gateways, but I can tell you right now, PayPal does charge is one of the higher charge, uh, higher fees, right? But if you ask people, which one do you trust the most? They'll probably say PayPal. <clears throat> There's a reason why PayPal charges the most because they know, hey, you can trust what we do. But that was a hard sale back in 1997, 1996, which is actually was their selling point. You need a way to transfer money online. Trustworthy. We're going to do that. People back at that point, now think of the same thing nowadays, crypto, NFTs, same shit. <laughs> hey, told you I'm going to speak to you real. It's the same thing. It took people. Think about the people. And I and I, I hear about a few of these people regularly. Think about the people who knew about NFTs, not even NFTs. Think about the people who knew about cryptocurrency and blockchain back in 2015. 2012 and didn't make any moves on it and then in 2019 and 2020 they see what happens because they because maybe they weren't convinced because the people who were trying to sell them on the idea couldn't sell them on the way that they were thinking don't be that guy don't be that girl don't be that woman who created this great technology but can't sell it don't be that awesome developer 
made a fantastic platform. Can't sell it. Another another great aspect of the book, be a leader. How to change people without giving offense or rousing resentment. That is amazing leadership if you can do that. And I can tell you right now, there are a lot of people with the title of manager, leader, boss, supervisor. Going to keep it a being with you that don't deserve that position. Because they have they're a leader by title alone. We have all seen this. A person who has a leadership role only because of the title. Meaning that that's all that they do, that they're just a title. But when it comes to the actual leadership responsibilities, when it comes to their qualities, when it comes to the way they work with their people, they are not leaders. Once you get something like this down, how to be a leader, motivate people, encourage people, inspire people, get them to work diligently with you, not for you, with you for a common goal and a common cause. The world's your oyster at that point. Literally, it's open season. Reminds me, going to being a geek for a moment. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know we're talking about the book. It reminds me. If you have, leave a comment. If you have seen um, yeah, Transformers Age of Extinction. I constantly quote this specific line in the closer to the end of the movie. When Optimus Prime, I told you I'm a geek, y'all. Now, nah, nah. Transformers, more than meets the eye, robots in disguise, whole nine. There's a specific part in the, closer to the end of the movie where Optimus Prime is trying to get the Dinobots to work with him. And he makes this really long, of course, as he does, speech. And one of the other Autobots says, you just want to die for that guy. <laughs> he literally just stops and says, you just want to die for the guy. Like, I would do anything for Optimus Prime. That's exactly what his soldier said. And the other, and the other Autobot says, that's just Prime. That's just, that's just who he is. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not the Dinobots. We're not taking on Decepticons. We're not trying to stop the end of the world, all that stuff. But if we are starting, if we are trying to start a business, if we are trying to grow, and you want to dedicate a team, you kind of want to be that leader. You want to be that leader where people are like, PayPal in 1996? What the heck are we going to do with that? We got banks. We got all this stuff. Who cares about ordering stuff online? No, 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 no. I'm telling you, this is where the industry is going. And we are going to be at the forefront. But more importantly, we're going to be the most trustworthy. Ah, there's that prime again. Just want to die for this guy. I'm, just, I'm, 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 going to, I'm going to create the whole platform for the guy. Because I, I just I just think it's right. <laughs> when Elon tried to, when Elon was selling SpaceX, Another one, Richard Branson. When he was selling Virgin going out into space. I remember when people first talked about that many years ago. They were like, this is absolutely crazy. But he he sold that idea. And he got that idea not only to sell, but to be successful. One of the most important aspects of this book is that Optimus Prime level. Is getting to that Optimus Prime level. It's putting you in a mindset. To where you understand. 
how to rally people for a common goal. If you are an entrepreneur, if you want to be, hey, if you want to be, I've used this quote before, and if you want to be the business and not run the business, that's fine. I didn't didn't become an entrepreneur to do that. And I hope you didn't do that either, because that means you're working three, four, five, ten times more than you were as an employee. And yeah, that's great. You can determine how much you earn and all that stuff. But I prefer being an entrepreneur because I can control and dictate and manage my time. I don't get more time. I I get full control over my time. But one of the best ways and most efficient ways to do this is if you understand how to work with people, how to get more done by doing less yourself. I'll say that again. How to get more done by doing less yourself. Working with people and through people. This book is old. And it's still used as one of the most important training tools. Because there's actual activities and lessons from it. This is one of the best books for the ambitious, hands down. This goes with start with why. This goes with this goes with super fans. This is one of the most important books. Launch these four books right now. And I, I mean, every book that I go over, like I said, I've utilized. I've been, you know, worked with mentors with. Um, I've seen definite improvements in what I've done, but also in what others have applied it to in their training. But these four that I just mentioned, this goes right in a line line with those. With one of the most essential business tools or business books that you can ever read and apply the activities and apply the lessons immediately. Because everything we do has a lesson in it. Everything that we do has activities that you can immediately start applying. It's not just for you to to look at it from an academic standpoint. It's meant for you to apply it as soon as you go back to running your business while you're listening to this episode or after you listen to this episode. So there's a link to How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. There's a link in the description to this book. With that, like I said in the comments, I want to know if you've ever seen Transformers Age of Extinction because... I will say my my pop culture, my sci-fi quotes, and I know I might lose some people, but (laughs) I would love to know, one, have you ever seen the movie? And two, that quote, if you you know um, the specific part I'm talking about, because when you see it, it it is absolutely hilarious because you think about it like, yeah, man, freaking prime, dude. He's... Come on, turn me into a car. Let me be a transformer. I'll be a I'll be a freaking Autobot for the day. <laughs> you just want to die for the guy. You just want to die for the guy. That's the kind of leader you want to be. You want to be one of those leaders that everybody wants to follow. I'm just being real with you. You do. So, with that, how to build a powerful network? Being genuine, being consistent, identifying your tribe, identifying your community. Consistently engaging and being active in that community. And it doesn't have to start when you're 18. doesn't have to start in college. doesn't have to start in grad school. doesn't have to start when you start your first job out of college. and start anywhere. 
check out that graphic um, for this episode. You'll see multiple entrepreneurs that started everywhere, like I said, from, from age 17 all the way up to age 60. But if you notice the consistent theme is they already had that network in place. That's why they were able to get the business off the ground. That's why they became so, so successful because they were able to work with the right people who believed in what they believed in, who had a common interest. So check out that graphic. Pick up the Dale Carnegie book, specifically this one. There's a, there's a couple others, but specifically this one. And in the next episode, we're going to go, over, ooh, you know what? You know what? You know what? I'll leave that one as a surprise. Here are the takeaways from the episode. Because next up, this episode, you got, you got a lot from it. Next episode is a little surprise. But here are your takeaways from this episode. The list of the top LinkedIn and Facebook groups by industry. Because like I said, if, if you can't do the meetups, you can't see in person, start online. It's the easiest way to start. It's the easiest way to engage. So what we have for you is a full list of the top LinkedIn and Facebook groups by profession. Top when I say for engagement, top when I say for membership, right? So check out these groups based on your profession, uh, based on your profession, based on your industry, based on whatever your business is going to be or your career is going to be in, you know, or is in currently. And see which group works out for you. What I would like to know, besides if you saw that Transformers movie, <laughs> is which group did you join? Leave a comment. Which group did you join? That's what I want to know. All right. And then for those of you who leave that comment. God, I got a little special surprise, but. For those of you who download that list, that's how I know, of course, that you're if you're leaving that comment. I know you downloaded the list. I'll send you an invite only link to a live LinkedIn all star training session, meaning to get your LinkedIn profile to the all star level to where all the right people start coming to you. We're going to have a training session for that. It's going to be live. It's going to be a few lives that for you guys who know, I don't go, I don't do live a lot. I don't go live a lot. Busy. I got things to do. <laughs> I can't do that all the time. But I'm having an invite only live session. You're invited to that for those who downloaded the list. So if you don't download the list, you will not get the link to the live session. That live session will not be shared. I'm going to clarify it. That live session will not be shared on YouTube. That live session will not be shared anywhere on social media. That live session will only be for the people who join the live session. So we're going to actively get in there. Go into your LinkedIn accounts and start making them all star level. There is no do this after the session. No, this is a live session for us to get in there. It could be five people. It could be 500 people. OK, the live session is only going to be for a specific amount of time, but. We're going to actively be working on our LinkedIn profiles at that moment. So you want to be there. And like I said, I will not share that out. That will not be placed anywhere else. Download the list. 
I'll have your contact information and you will be given a link to that live session, that exclusive live session. So with that, guys, go download that list. Let me know which group you joined. Let me know which groups you joined in the comments. You will receive a link to the exclusive live session. And with that, that is this episode of The Ambition Show. <laughs> As I get in my bad, very white voice. But how to build a powerful network. This is going to be a good episode for you to go back on and review. Check it out. Let me know what you think of the, the list, which group you joined. If you've seen the Transformers movie, uh, specifically Age of Extinction. <laughs> um, and then also, the next episode, it's going to be a doozy. So I look forward to seeing you guys here next week. I've been your host, Aaron Muhammad. This is The Ambition Show. Take it easy, true believers. Peace. Thank you.